0: What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. I had another amazing guest on the show today. And you know, I only bring on the best guests, and Aaron Straker is no different. He delivered a ton of knowledge, a ton of value to the show. I really like his approach. He talked a lot about making database decisions and objectivity in nutrition coaching and how to change your body, and it's not what you think. A lot of what we discussed was about changing your identity, changing your behaviors, and not being so focused on the outcome. And as you know, if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, that is very much in alignment with my philosophy. So I truly enjoyed this conversation. Um, Aaron is an absolute beast, super smart. You you guys are going to love it. If you happen to agree with me and you do enjoy the conversation between us, we would love to hear about it. It actually is super helpful to know who's listening, who enjoys the content, and the best way to let us know that is to post it to your stories on Instagram. So if you just take a screenshot of the episode, you post it to Instagram, and you tag us both, you can tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner, and you can tag Aaron at Aaron underscore Straker. That's A-A-R-O-N underscore S-T-R-A-K-E-R, and enjoy the episode. All right, guys, I am joined today by a very special guest. I have Aaron Straker joining me on the podcast today. First of all, welcome, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me yeah, absolutely. So we got to connect at uh Jason Phillips event in Scottsdale, Arizona, and uh you know one of those people where it was like, I know who that is, but I don't really know who that is, so it was good to be able to put a face to actually, I know you more from like your your macro tracking sheet that's all like you know, beautifully done from, you know, for coaches to utilize for their clients. And then obviously you, uh, you have your podcast with Brian Borstein. So I was like, okay, now, now I'm starting to put the pieces together, but, um, I would love to hear like your, your origin story, how you got into this. I'm always so fascinated by, you know, why, why we choose to do this as a career. We're kind of crazy for uh, getting into this in the first place, but, um, I would love to hear just where it all started and, and how you got to where you are now.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. I got a, I get a lot of that now. Like you're that guy who sold me that that nutrition tracking thing. Like it's amazing. And uh, you know, thank you. And it's it's funny because when I when people first started asking me about it, I was like, no, I was like, no, this is my thing that I use like my clients. But you know, that's cool that you want it. But like, no, I wouldn't want to sell it. And then like a handful of people asked me, and I was like. Huh? <laughs> um, and kind of as my origin story, we'll get into uh, makes sense. which people are like, you don't. You're generally not good with like spreadsheets and trackers and stuff like that. When you're in like you know the fitness and, and nutrition industry and into like lifting weights and you know eating healthy and stuff, they're not generally parallels that coexist. Um, so my, you know, I went to college for IT. Uh, I graduated with a, with a software degree. I worked in, in software industry for uh, from like 2012 to 2019 and my backgrounds in software i was a software engineer i wrote code at uh i worked at design agency uh, out west in, in southern california and then moved into the startup world wrote code there but this whole time like training was like lifting weights was my, my passion like i was introduced in in high school you know through playing football i was kind of okay at playing football but i was pretty damn good at lifting weights and just loved it and it was just like it was a hobby it was something that i was able to do to keep me active you know that led me into crossfit post-college and i did that until you know put myself in the, in the dirt, just from being dumb and young and stuff like that. And then eventually found my way back to just training to feel good. Uh, it was actually through an, an injury. I was one of those people that ruptured their Achilles doing box jumps and CrossFit. And all of a sudden I had six months of time to, you know, time because I couldn't go to the gym and do stuff because I was in a cast. So that's when I really started learning about nutrition. And this was like 2013, and I started, I read a couple books that were out at the time on like flexible dieting and just like macros and the first like Renaissance periodization book, you know, was, was coming out at that time. And I was all like, just holy shit, everything that I know to be true, you know, from just like people conversations at the gym magazines and shit like that. And I was like, this is, this, this is wrong. And, and I was like, wait, carbs aren't the devil. You know, if I'm training seven days a week and busting my ass and tor- working out twice per day, like I shouldn't be avoiding carbohydrate, you know? And I just had no idea. And it was like this whole new world opened up and then I started changing things and I was like, oh, wow, I'm sleeping better. I have better energy. Like I just, it was a whole new world to me. And then that, you know, just opened up just like this very big curiosity for me. It's like, what else do I know that there? What else do I know that I don't know type of deal? So I just started going down more rabbit holes, learning more. And then that led me to getting like my PN one, which is like the precision nutrition, like entry level certification. And then I actually had a, a great friend, right? Jen Ryan, who, you know, that was like my introduction into the nutrition coaching world. And I built her first website for lifeline performance and stuff like that and helped her with like. You know, admin stuff. And it was through that, that I really realized like how little else other people knew. And then in that world, there wasn't still like a lot of, of like male representation. I feel like in the nutrition coaching space, it was more like, you know, women and stuff that I would see. And I just saw like an angle. I was like, well, this is something that I'm beginning, like I've already been benefited massively from, like maybe there's something else I can do here. And at the time, like I had realized like my means, my, my, my current career was like a means to an end. Um, I was a senior software engineer doing well, but like I realized like I'm not, I don't want to go into management. I I don't want to be that guy who gets the call at 3 a.m. on the weekend, like everything's broken, you know, open up your computer and go fix it. Like I was like, I'm not. you can pay me all the money in the world. I'm not going to fucking do that. <laughs> so I realized like there was something else I needed to do. Uh, and then this was just like fun, you know. I felt really good doing it, and it was like it didn't feel like work. It was just exploration. So, just learning a lot more there, going going down rabbit holes, getting different certs and stuff like that. And then I realized the point where I was like, you know, about thirty years old, uh, a little older than thirty. Uh, I was I was thirty, but it was like not before my thirtieth birthday. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a change. Like I've been on the outside looking in. Of the fitness and nutrition industry for years now you know i thought about becoming a crossfit coach like like in 2012 i actually interviewed for one and it had always been like i wanted to but i just was like afraid of like i already have this like good career right i mean in this day and age being in software is fantastic and it wasn't until i had like reached the upper echelons of where i was willing to take that career that i realized like i just didn't care about it and I just wanted to be happy. And I was fortunate enough to like not have any children, not have a, a wife or anyone I needed to support. And I was like, the ultimate thought that I had was like, I've become a pretty decent software engineer in a profession that I really don't give a shit about. I wonder what I can do in something that I actually do give a shit about. And now here we are, you know, three years full time later. And it turned out that I'm pretty damn decent at that
0: I love it, man. It's a powerful story. I think that a lot of us go through that where we've got the security blanket and we've got the steady income, the you know good job, all of that, and and it's just not fulfilling in the way that we want it to be. And we realize that there's something more. Uh, but it's a lot easier said than done to to walk away from that to you know pull the rug out from under yourself to be like you know what I don't I might not know like what my next paycheck is going to be. I might not know how many clients I'm going to have and that's okay because I'm still going to take that leap. Um, do you remember what like that turning point was for you where you're like, you know what, I don't need the the security anymore. I'm just going to take the leap and see what happens.
1: Yeah. So fortunately I did, I uh, double fortunately, I had a girlfriend um, who I still have. She's fantastic. And she was feeling the same way, uh, but she worked in corporate finance. So like, I'm not like, I'm not going to lie. I had a good, I worked in a startup. It was chill. I made good money. Like it couldn't have got better from like an on-paper desk, you know, type of job. She had a she had a shitty job. She worked in corporate finance. Like, that like a, that's a hard, you know, place to be. And uh, she was finding her own kind of realizations. She had gone down like the, the the bikini competition path and learning more through that route and stuff. And kind of the same thing. We were both realizing like we don't need to be training like these crazy amounts. Like nutrition will move the needle so much more. So we were both finding the same kind of conclusions in like d- different parallels a little bit. And we were just like kind of talking, I had wanted to move away from San Diego for a while at that point, cause I'd lived there for eight years and I was just kind of like over it as crazy as that sounds. And I had this idea, I was like, I wonder, you know, what happens if we just lived out of the, outside the country for a little bit? And she was like, I'm down with that. So we kind of just put this plan together and we're like, okay, you know, X, I'm going to quit my job on this day. Uh, we're going to spend the next like year, basically building our side businesses as much as we can. And we're just going to jump. And that's kind of exactly what we did. We just planned it, you know, and we had weekly meetings where we would, you know, put together new pieces of the puzzle, figure out where we're going. And then, you know, I I took a big risk actually. And I told my job like four months early and I was like, Hey, in January, like, I'm not going to be here anymore. You know? And I was kind of scared because at the time I still needed that money. And I didn't know if they were going to be like, okay, you know, today's your last day. But I was fortunate. The CTO of the company was like, Okay, four months and we know off to find a replacement and you know tell me when your last day is. So that was I was very, you know, fortunate in that regard that they found me valuable enough not to just tell me to piss off, you know, right away. Uh-huh. Um and we did. And we just moved, we moved to Vietnam originally, um and it was a lot of life changing all at once, which is yeah, kind yeah. Of crazy looking back on.
0: I'm sure. So you started your nutrition coaching business as you were overseas in, in Vietnam
1: full-time, like went like full-time had like three weeks of like getting rid of shit. We got rid of everything, sold all of our vehicles and everything like that. And we're like, let's, we're just, we're starting over like on everything pretty much. Yeah.
0: What was some of like the early lessons that you learned that maybe you had some preconceived notions about being a full-time coach that when you were actually in it, you're like, okay, this is a little bit different than I thought it would be. Anything that, that comes to mind where uh, you maybe had an assumption or just, um, you know, stuff on the business side or the coaching side that just wasn't necessarily, um, you know, that didn't match up with what you previously thought.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like the, I don't want to say market. I mean, it is marketing, but just like sharing what you do with people, right? Because there's that fear, right? Like uh, everyone knows me as like Aaron Straker, like software engineer. And now at you know the ripe age of 30 years old, I'm reinventing myself. So I was really, really nervous about that, you know, and just dealing with judgment and stuff, to be completely honest. And what I what I found was just like honestly, a lot of overwhelming support. People like I didn't really get any of it. It was just all these, you know, it's kind of self-perceived and conceived notions. But one of the earliest things that I I realized and the, honestly it's it's one of those things you get better at but it never really goes away like the your biggest obstacle is simply yourself and your mindset around it and that is uh it's that was really really hard for me that first year um, just like talking about myself more and, and putting myself out there and there's some people don't get me wrong they like don't have a problem with that but that one for me was really really big
0: yeah i think it always is there i think that some people just do a better job of like recognizing it but then still doing whatever it is they need to do like I think we all have that level of imposter syndrome or there's somebody else that's better or smarter or fit or whatever the case may be. We, we tell ourselves these stories, but then it's the ability that when you put in so many reps over time, you still acknowledge like that voice exists, but you're still able to do the thing you need to do. Um, is that kind of what you found in, in just like the early early experience of being a coach, like telling yourself maybe like I would always think about you know, what if like Alan Aragon reads my post or Lane Norton reads my post? And like, you start to tell yourself this story about what they're going to think when they have so much other better shit to do than to read something that I'm writing, but anything like that, that you experienced?
1: Yeah. I mean, just fear around that as well. And what's funny is like now looking back on it, like when I re- I read posts of like, you know, new, new coaches and trainers and stuff. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Like they're going to find out that that doesn't really work out eventually, but they're on their own path type of thing. But I'm not like, oh, this guy's a moron. What an idiot, you know? And that's what you think that other people are going to say about you. And don't get me wrong. Some people will say that, but generally those are people you don't want to associate with anyway. But yeah, the people who like you look up to or whatever, like let's say they do come across your posts, They're probably like, oh man, this person's trying. I can see that they're, you know, just earlier on their journey. Eventually they're going to learn also.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, What what do you think has been the carryover from your background in software engineer to being a nutrition coach now? Like has, has that care? I mean, obviously you have the ability to do things that none of us can do, which I feel like coaches like can't design websites. We can't program. Like, um, you know, we can't code, we can't put together spreadsheets that look like yours. Like where has been the carryover? It has been
1: so and I'll, I'll answer in two parts. I'll answer it one in coaching specifically, and then the other parts of running a business that aren't coaching, which are vast, right? And so with coaching specifically, I've kind of found like a niche for, I will, we use a lot of data to help us make decisions, right? Because especially in terms of my body composition, uh, the scale fluctuations, all these things of like our subjectivities and fears will run wild. And it's something that like, I mean, I have, I have a coach myself because it's, it's hard to coach yourself. Even like, even me knowing that these things are real, those fears, like then those things of what it means to be human. And those subjectivities are hard to, you know, um, like objectively make decisions around. So that's kind of the, 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 the real data heavy thing I've been fortunate to just understand and carry over from my previous career and background is like having as much data tracked as we can that helps us make decisions. Because, you know, an example, someone will be like, like, especially in this time right now, right? We're, we're recording this in that week between um, Christmas and New Year's. Everyone's just come off of a peer, like three or four days, if not more, of eating more food than they normally do. Moving less, sitting on the couch, hanging out with family, probably staying up late, hanging out with family members. You don't get to see that much. Sleeping less, and they're like, "Oh, I, I don't know. I messed something up. My weight's up. I'm look, I'm looking kind of soft and stuff." And I'm like. Of course, you are. You're eating cookies with your family. You're having meals you don't normally have. You're not exercising like you normally would. You're not sleeping as much. Like, of course, you are. We all are. Like, what do you expect things to be different? And it's just like having, like understanding that and then having the data that helps us, you know, make that decision. Then what I do, I go, like, okay, we're going to have two weeks. I just want you to pick the ball up before you, where you did nothing crazy, no wild cardio. You're not going to reduce calories. We just want to recreate baseline. And then that two weeks, they're right back to where they were you know, before Christmas. And then it's like the fears you know, subside because you just help with the, it. and it's so that was like the biggest part um, of helping me figure out where I am most effective as a coach Yeah, with, that, with those uh, information. And then, you know, on the side of running a business, like it's again, I've, I've used this word a few times fortunate. Right. Because what are these things uh, that are often things you come across when you're starting a business? Okay. Get setting up a website, buying a domain, setting up like my emails exchange and connecting all those things. Like those things are, I know, like the back of my hand, like I did that for, you know, a damn near decade, but for, for a new person starting a business, that's, I mean, you're like, Whoa, what It's it's a vast world of unknown answers. So that was really, really helpful, but I did make a hard decision with myself in like three quarters of the way through year one, which is no more writing code, no more writing custom code. If I need it, I'm going to outsource it because it's one of those things. And I'm sure that, you know, this Mike, as you've scaled, you know, your business, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something where it's the best use of your time. Absolutely, And that is, was hard for me and still is hard for me to um, just honor that, you know? So I'd be like, oh, I could do this. It might take me like four days, and now that I mean that's four days. That's my entire week. I I got through my check-ins, and now the west rest of my week has just been writing this this code that now works. But I've wasted a, you know damn near four working days on it. Or I'm going to pay someone three hundred dollars to do it, and they they're they're much more in line or it's still in tune with that coding and stuff like that, and they can get it done in an hour. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that now. You know, kind of learn those lumps, um, and then another you know really beneficial one for me is. Believe it or not, I wasn't that great at spreadsheets starting out, but you know, who was good at spreadsheets? My girlfriend, because she worked in Excel, you know, literally 40 hours per week. But then I realized something. Excel has a lot of the same functions that programming does. And overnight, my skills went from like a three to like a 12, because I could do all these fancy concepts that I already knew, but I just didn't realize that I could put them in like a Google sheets and stuff. So that's how I built the check-in system and like really, you know, I was able to kind of kick that up. So, you know, I, I've been fortunate that I, I had that, f- that background at writing code because it really, really helped with being a solopreneur and just when you don't have the capital to outsource a lot of things in the beginning, like so many of us don't, um, yeah. I was just had this, the hard technical skills to do a lot of that stuff myself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other day I was able to put in a multiplication formula in Excel. So that, that was my accomplishment, which I was very proud of. So that tells you my skill set in Excel and being able to do all of that stuff. Um, but I think to your point, like when you're first starting a business, you wear a lot of hats and you're kind of, you know, a, a solopreneur, one man show for most of us anyway. And then as you scale, the question becomes who, not what, like who needs to be doing this, not what needs to be done. It's, it's who can I plug in? Um, and I think that that's, you know, where a lot of coaches find themselves getting burnt out when they try to just like you said, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. Um, that's kind of like that next level when you reach that point of determining who should be doing this. Um, and then I, I love what you said. I want to kind of circle back about the like data driven decision making. Um, the fact that you have a coach, I have a coach, I'm a big believer in coaches needing coaches because of the fact that you know as humans we are emotional beings who think. like we are emotional first and then we try to apply logic after that and it's very easy. be subjective with yourself it's very easy to know logically i know why the scale is up but that doesn't stop my emotional response to it and being like well i'm i'm the exception to the rule clearly this doesn't apply to me so i'm going to go cut my calories and i'm going to do a bunch of cardio because um i'm the i'm the unicorn here um having a coach to be able to show you that objectivity i think is invaluable uh what are like the the based decisions that you feel like are most important when you're working with a client when you're trying to help somebody make more logical decisions and, um, you know, stop getting caught up in this, you know, subjective mindset trap of making the emotional decisions. Like the classic example is, well, the scale's up today. So like, fuck it, why bother? I'm not going to do anything. Or it's like, you know, I, I, I got one flat tire, I'm going to slash the other three. What are some of the, the, the ways that you use the data? Like what data is important to you where you can make informed decisions and help somebody kind of overcome that mindset?
1: Yeah. So one thing that I'm I'm big on, and one of the things that you were just talking about that I think is, is brilliant is like, ju- you justify things to yourself because we think that we're different. And one of the first things I'll do with clients is, you know, I want you to prove to me because people, when you hop on a consult, you start with a new client and they're like, you know, I eat healthy, but in like, you, I, I just, and I'm sure you know it too. Like they're justifying it to themselves. So what I'm like, okay, prove it. Let's look at your food logs, right? And and I preach to all my clients tell us like I want 85 to 90% whole quality, nutrient-dense food sources. And then we reserve 10 to 15% for what I call flexible foods. And that can be more like IIFYM type stuff, maybe some candy, ice cream, you know, whatever. Um, I'm like prove it to me. Very rarely can they actually prove it to me. They that's generally more like a 60-40 or even like a 50-50 type thing. So what I really because it it requires there's, then you don't have to worry about like a belief or just trust me, I'm the coach type of thing. It's like, no, show me. And very rarely can they actually show me that they are eating an overwhelmingly, you know, whole quality nutrient dense style diet. So that's like kind of one of them, because I know, right. When we get, when we grease that groove in an overwhelming majority of your diet becomes that a lot of these like fluctuations and things like over time, just work themselves out because you're putting in, you know, more micronutrients into your body. You probably don't have as big of like nutrient deficiency gaps or anything like that anymore. Um, and when you eat these types of foods with an overwhelming majority, your, uh, the margin of error becomes smaller because these foods are just less calorically dense on a given spectrum than other types of foods. Right. So I just kind of know these things that I've learned over time and through working with clients and just, you know, eating different foods myself. I'm like, okay, all I have to do is convince people that they need these things. And then a lot of these things will just kind of work themselves out as we zoom out on our time frame. Um, so that, that's like a big one, right? And then looking at other things, right? Like I want to know what your what your dieting history was like. Okay, are you are you a five foot you know, let's go. Let's, let's, a recent example: Are you a six-foot, you know, male who's two hundred and ten pounds who wants to lean out? And then when you show me your food logs, you're eating twenty-three hundred calories. That that's those are that's a red flag to me. If you've been consistently eating that, at those you know at, at those numbers, and assuming you're, everyone's training at least you know four days per week or four days per week being semi-active, massive red flags go off. That means you know something and hormones isn't isn't going to be great. We might have like hypogonadal style or not style uh, levels of. Testosterone or something like that, thyroid might be off, or one, we have like very, you know, um, inaccurate reporting type of thing. So they're just like, I don't want to call them like silos, but like pillars that you begin to identify by working with a lot, especially the same style of client, to where you can be like, okay, you know, one plus one is always two. If this person like one plus one is, is four, like, I don't think so. There's something we're missing. There's either like a misreporting thing, a misunderstanding, or, you know, very, very um, possible scenarios. Like something might be off of lab work. And that is why that, you know, when you try and go through a calorie deficit, you just start dragging ass and it's not working. And you feel like you're banging your head against the wall. We just need to know more. There's more answers. There's, there's a bigger, bigger pieces of the pie that we just haven't, you know, really gotten it to yet.
0: Usually. Yeah. There's there's a couple of things in there that I want to touch on. One, number one being that in my experience, the oftentimes, I don't want to make a gross generalization, but oftentimes the the simplest answer is the correct answer. So when when we have all of this stuff going on, to your point, it usually comes down to we need more quality nutrients coming in. Uh, we we probably need some more movement we probably need less stress on the system. And it's usually some combination of like let's let's just get back to the the very basics of quality foods, some movement and less stress on your system. And a lot of the things that we think are these like, you know, outside the box issues that we're facing. Typically the the simplest answer is usually the answer. Um, the other thing that you mentioned is when you, you said something about zooming out on the timeline. And I think that that's key with what so many people, especially now, like we, we live in a very uh, instant gratification society. Everything is immediate. We get what we want right away. We hate waiting. We hate being patient. Uh, zooming out on the timeline gives you a lot of information that otherwise is missed. Like it's, you know, the, the classic example of, uh, it's hard to see the picture when you're inside the frame, right? You got to zoom out to be able to see the full picture. Uh, how do you help with that perspective with, with clients who are like, you know, Hey, I'm checking these boxes. I I cleaned up my diet. I'm lifting four times a week. It's been a month and I'm not, I don't look like you yet. Like (laughs) what's going on?
1: Yeah. So that's where another one, like having that history and just asking more questions, right. When things don't seem to add up to you as the coach, just ask more questions and ask like specific questions. Cause people think like, well, tell me about your digestion. Like, it's okay. I'm like, well, what, what does okay mean? And they're like, you know, I only fart a couple times per day and maybe like diarrhea three times per week, but maybe four, but it's always been like that. That's normal. Like that's not normal. <laughs> that's just what you've been having. So you think it's normal, but it's not normal. It shouldn't be that way. So just making sure that like, when you're asking questions that you ask for like specifics and what's interesting. And, and that's a good example I bring up is like, people think that there's like, there's these silos. Okay. Aaron, you're my nutrition coach. I talked to you about nutrition but like, I don't, I don't talk to you about sleep or whether I'm like super stressed out or any of these things, or we don't talk about poop and farting and stuff. I'm like, well, unfortunately in, in this relationship, we're going to talk about poop and farting a lot. Cause it's very valid for the, the the things we want to do. So it's really just opening up and understanding it from a, from a coach standpoint. And also as a client, that like there's so much more than just The quantity of food that you're putting into your body. It is like the amount of stressors in your life, because like, let's face it. If you are like, you know, a single mom, three kids at home, maybe you're transitioning a career and there's all these like massive other pillars of your life that are requiring a lot of your just like life force. We probably don't need to be tracking macros. You know what I mean? Like I want to make it easy. Like in that context, like, let's make it easy for you. Let's just create a repeatable structure to make like this a, a beneficial thing and just not another stress kind of pile. And this is coming from someone like macros are my bread and butter. Like it's I pretty much won't take on clients that won't. But then again, if I like, you know, when someone comes to me in that scenario, I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not the best resource for you, but let me ask you a couple questions and then I can help find someone who would be a better resource for you type of deal. So I think it's just like kind of understanding that and knowing that it's much more than just the food. There are the other parts of your life that you consume. And that's like time spent, you know, um, influences and um, what you take in, in terms of like, Quality of 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 your surroundings and environment, all these things like generally, like massively, will impact your outcome, both positively and also negatively as well.
0: Yeah, I'm curious as somebody who is more data driven, where you know, obviously, we can track, we can count calories, we can count macros, we can see. You know, how much protein you're getting in, how much fiber you're getting in, we can have somewhat of, of an idea with, you know, food quality, assuming accurate reporting, we can look at, you know, how many servings of veggies, fruit, whatever, what's your protein source, what are your, your fat sources, carb sources, we can look at all of those things and kind of quantify that to, a, you know, to a certain extent. With the other subjective metrics that you look at, like stress is, is, is pretty subjective, like how much stress are you on? To your point, somebody who's constantly under stress and that's their norm. Yeah, no, it's just I'm I'm good. Like I'm fine. Nothing out of the ordinary. But they might be in a in a high stress situation lifestyle. How do you try to quantify some of those things that are more subjective? Like uh, you know, looking at things like stress, or um, it might be mood or or digestion. You know, where you're just kind of relying on them to tell you and and maybe put a number on it, but you don't really have uh, something that's like tangible as as technical as like, I know how many calories you're eating.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So earlier this, or yeah, I guess I should say earlier this year, every about like January 1st, I like overhaul my, some methods of my coaching and coincidentally I'm going through it right now. Uh, But last year I started this thing where I wanted my clients to quantify objectively those, you know, biofeedback metrics, sleep, hunger, stress type of thing. And I found out that adding a number to it, it wasn't the most appropriate approach because what happens is you end up with a bunch of sevens (laughs) and a seven is like, you know, it's a a seven, you know, you know, and it's, it's unhelpful. Right. So what I started doing is like, tell me about these things in detail. If, and then, you know, I have, um, weekly coaching sessions with like all of my clients where you hop on a call and I'm very, very upfront around like, no, in terms of digestion, if like, this is what they should look like, you know, your, your, your dues, if they do, if they're, if they're harder than that, if they're floating, I'm very, very specific so that, you know, people can identify with their bowel movements, like where they are in that spectrum. And then they'll kind of report to me. So that one, I, I kind of help there for other things like stress. There are some you know, like physical representations that will pop up, like people who will start waking up at like two 33 in the morning, wide awake. Right. That is an early cortisol spiking, you know, response. That's something that I will ask about with sleep. Um, Another one. So I've been this year, I really started going much harder on getting my clients to provide me lab work. And I mean, you can see the classic stress signals, right? So I mean, you'll have people who are inflamed, like a C-reactive protein will be pretty high. Uh, Their lipid profile will not look very good. Um, What's another one? They'll get like a really high um, reverse T3 on their, on their thyroid panel as well. So that helps like reinforce those decisions or not decisions, but, um, suspicions for, for certain things. So that's been very, very beneficial as well. But even if you don't want to go down that route or you're still learning that as we all are like this waking up in the middle of the night and being like wide awake, that is like a classic stress, stress response type of thing, or like anxiety induced. So that is one, um, the desire to like train when that drops off to another one. So that might be a classic case where like, you know, um, from approaching from a more physical training standpoint, the deload might be fantastic. Uh, that is one that I personally will know influences me heavily. Like when I am in like a training slump and I just don't like, I'm just not that excited to go to the gym and like, don't get me wrong. I love going to the gym. I know that my, my stress is high because it's like that something that I love to do is just now, like, it's just like, the, the light is like dimmed on it. And I was like, I'm only going because I know I should be, and it's part of my life. I'm not going cause I actually want to. That's another way where like your motivation, that's kind of a long winded way to get back to motivation is, is a little bit lower. So waking up in the middle of the night, I would say is a big one motivation for doing those sorts of things. Uh, like training is another big one. And then even maybe like recovery capacity diminishing as well. And that will kind of go with
0: the, the deload as well. Okay. And so and when you're looking at some of those symptoms and having them identify which apply, which don't apply, um, and then do you have a way of kind of quantifying that in your tracking sheet when you're looking at client data? Are you looking at all of those things combined and, and, and like charting that, graphing like what's what's your process in terms of, um, you know, using that to make informed decisions about where they should go. Do you find that most of your clients are coming to you uh, kind of like undercovered, overstressed and need more of a kind of, you know, reverse diet period? Or do you feel like it's kind of across the board where you're getting people? I know you work mostly with men. Um that it's, you know, like, I'm, I'm just trying to see if maybe there's any specific trends that kind of stick out with, with your clients that you notice that maybe, um, are kind of happening more often than not, uh, with, with clients that you're working with.
1: Yes, uh, there are some trends. So one thing I will do is I ask every single week in their check-in, uh, questionnaire, I ask about biofeedback stuff. Um, I also know that, you know, depending on the, the phase of our nutrition periodization that we are currently in the, the propensity for, for stress to be more Mm. manifest more in your life is going to be much higher when you're in like a calorie deficit or in like a recovery diet or something like that, where we have just come through like an intentionally stressful period of your life of like eating for fat loss. Right. Let's, let's be completely honest. Dieting is stressful. So. When we are in a calorie deficit phase with a client, like I'm going to be asking much more and paying much closer attention than that and asking much more about the sleep as opposed to like, let's say we're, you know, in a gaining phase or like the tail end of like, you know, a pushing for, you know, maintenance calories really high. You know, we have our two primary recovery pathways, sleep and, and calories. When your calories at like 110%, 105%, like that will carry a lot of that weight. So if you maybe have a, a week of bad sleep or whatever, you might not really notice it. But if you're, you know, 12 weeks into a calorie deficit and you're now at like a 22%, you know, a uh, deficit, underestimated maintenance, and you have like a week of bad sleep, hunger is going to spike, right? Your moodiness is going <laughs> to spike. Uh, and I'm just very upfront and vocal about these things so that when clients do experience it, they might just not be like, well, why is my, you know significant other kids like pissing me off so much this week. I'm like, well, what up, dude, we're dieting, right? Big stressor. It's been 12 weeks. Another big stressor. You slept like shit all week, big stressor because you slept like shit all week. And your secondary recovery pathway is now diminished. Your hunger is going to go up. So you're going to be a little bit more moody. And then maybe it was just like a one thing. And it's like a, it's like a domino. If without the five of these dominoes, your kid, you know, doing whatever, wouldn't have bothered you at all. But because all of these other five things already happened that you like, it, it just, it, it affects you so much more. So I'm just vocal about these things so that when clients do run into them, hopefully they remember the conversation that we had and can kind of identify and be like, hey, that thing you said would happen when we're 12 weeks dieting like happened. And I was able to identify and just go, oh, I'm just pissy because of all these things. And I'm able to like, you know, talk myself down instead of just like like letting emotions kind of spiral from that.
0: Yeah. And I think that presents an interesting example with the time of year, right? We're about to hit January 1st and typically most people are going to do. Uh, more than they should do, right? Like that's that's the the standard New Year's resolution. It's like, all right, I'm I'm not happy with how I look. I want to make a change. I'm not going to make a small change. I'm going to make all the change at once. I'm going to start lifting probably six days a week. I'm going to throw some extra cardio in. I'm going to start dieting. I'm going to focus on you know I'm going to maybe fast. I'm going to get my steps in. I'm going to take these supplements, right? And the more you know as somebody that's data driven like the more that we add to the plan that needs to go right for the plan to be effective the lower the probability of success like if we need 10 things to all happen for the plan to be executed we're setting ourselves up for failure um how do you help with that mindset especially with maybe clients now who are like all right like i'm ready to to put my foot on the gas like it's new year's let's do this time of year you know coming off the holidays there's probably that extra motivation like you said waking up feeling a little bit softer feeling like all right the scale is up like let's let's go beast mode like how do you have that work through that mindset and even if it's not a client just somebody who's like i'm ready to to make this massive change all at once
1: yeah yeah i'll answer that in two parts cuz i do have clients who we have we planned that like 10 12 weeks ago so they're eating a shit ton of food right now recovering like crazy and you know building a lot of leverage so that when we do start in the first week of january like we're we're starting from like the best position we possibly can. And then we're taking advantage of that, like January 1st, you know, motivation, but they're not, they've been eating like, you know, very well fed for, for months in advance and all this stuff. So those people are in a fantastic position to start because we talked about it in October, um, for the majority of people, like one thing that i I'm beginning to feel much, much more like convicted in talking about is like just approaching this from like a, a health and longevity standpoint, because, people set their horizons like way up. You know what I mean? It's January 1st. I have all this motivation. I'm going to charge this hill in front of me at a million miles per hour. Whereas I'm just like, Hey, let's just put it up like one degree North of where you are now. Like, let's just get the ball rolling. Let's not kick the ball as hard as we freaking can. Like, let's just get it momentum and rolling because you can then stack things on. Like once, you know, eating three meals per day is pretty easy for you. Okay, cool. Let's maybe start incorporating like a snack and a protein shake like post workout just to get you a little bit more you know quality food type thing hey instead of drinking like wednesday thursday friday saturday maybe let's start drinking friday saturday right and just like reducing these things like slowly because if yeah when you change too much it's like a shock to to who you are as a person often and then you have that that resistance to it and the real goal here's like hey let's remove the resistance. So it's easier for you to just continue going because like you can be as motivated as you want. That's going to last till maybe January 12th. And then what's going to happen then type of thing. You're yep. going to be like, oh man, I'm so sick of waking up at 3am. I feel like dog shit. Cause you realize you're still going to bed at midnight, waking up at 3am, you're sleeping three hours from night. Of course you feel like dog shit. You know what I mean? So just what are things that are going to be more sustainable that you can practice like every day for a year that seems I don't want to say effortless, but a much less uh, daunting investment than trying to radically change your life overnight.
0: Yeah, and I think that what's powerful about that is you're focusing on the behavior and not the outcome, which is typically the opposite of what most people do. All right, I want to lose 20 pounds this year. I want to build 10 pounds of muscle. I want this end goal. I want this outcome, and they don't focus on the behaviors that will influence the outcome. They just focus on the finish line and that can feel like when you have an off day when life gets in the way and you see how far away that outcome is you get discouraged you're like shit that's that's really far away i'm just going to i'm just going to go out and drink with my buddies instead like i'm going to just going to say screw it versus i have these behaviors like you talked about all right we we got the three meals we included the the post workout shake and the snack we're improving food quality i'm getting my workouts in like these are the behaviors that will influence the outcome but we're focusing here we're focusing on the process we're not always just looking at the the finish line and like how far away that is but more so like can i actually continue with these behaviors and then you start to identify some wins within that like man i, I killed that workout i'm getting stronger i'm noticing that i recover more effectively i'm sleeping better all of these things like you said that provides momentum that ultimately gets them to sustain the progress and i think that that's where Um, you know, it's just, it's just like a mindset shift. Have you ever, I think that there's like this interesting balance between getting somebody to understand that like doing more isn't always better. Um, We sometimes have like, like the new year's example. Sometimes we have to just dial it back. Like you said, just that one degree up from where you are now. But then there's the, the other side of it, which is you say you want this thing, but like your actions are telling a very different story. You know, somebody who's like, I really want to be fit. I really want to be healthy. Uh, none of their actions align with that. How do you kind of walk that tightrope?
1: So now it's easier because I know what the answer is, right? I've, I've, and, but earlier in my coaching career, like I, I mean, like so many other things, like you don't know what you don't yet know. And where I feel most strongly now is like you don't get like the massive, like, you know, fat loss and the lean, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like lifestyle lean type, like, like you don't get that without the health side as well, at least long-term. And this is something that I would learn is I would have like, you know, in, you know, years prior, I'd have like clients who we would get them in like great shape, you know, and we are like, okay, fantastic. This is awesome. Like you did a great job. And then like six months later, they would hit me up and they're, like, ah, oh, you know, I fucked up and I'm up like 25 pounds again. I'm like, whoa, how? But I realized like we were focused on the goal and not becoming a new person that lives a different lifestyle. Then that's like when you, cause you can, you can reach the goal by just like putting blinders on and being like, I'm, you know, I'm quitting alcohol for six months because I need abs, not because you want to, to quit drinking or something like that. But then once you, you, once you reach that goal and return to those habits, like you're going to become the person that you were prior over time again. So I really started really, really just dialing in on like changing who you are because, you know, 200 pound version of you in 170 pound version of you, you do different things. And that's why you have those different outcomes. Like the 170 pound version of you doesn't hate eating vegetables anymore. Maybe, you know, or you've convinced yourself that you like them. Psychology goes a long way. Easy enough. Right. Um, you enjoy sleeping or things like that. Like maybe you you know, uh, I do different things. Like instead of having wine with your friends, every, every time you get together, you like go to the park and just go for a walk and talk like little adjustments like this can make dramatic effects compounded over time. And really just going through learning, you know, I mean, there was uh, as much as I hate to say it, cause this was something that really bothered me. Is like, yeah, old clients would come back and like, oh, you know, I'm back where we started. And it would really bother me because it immediately let me know that there was like a gap still of where I failed as the coach. To help them, or to 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 get them to realize, like it's the process in becoming a different version of yourself, which is the end goal. And when you do that, the fat loss, the abs, the lean, you know, lifestyle comes along. Those are byproducts of that decision, not the other way around.
0: Yeah, completely agree. I think that that's something that we all kind of learn through our own experience. Um, I I was definitely a product of that, where I was the Blinders on. I'm just going to get lean at all. It doesn't matter what it takes. I'm going to do it. And then it didn't last because it wasn't sustainable. Nothing about me had changed, other than I could suck it up for a short period of time to get there. Uh, still wasn't happy. Still wasn't fulfilled. Uh, still was like, is that it? Well, maybe I should move the goalpost back and try try to take it to the next level. And eventually, I got that point of just it wasn't sustainable at all. And and uh, it's like the pendulum effect. The, the further you swing it in one direction, the further it swings in the other. Um, so as we all go through these learning experiences, what's, what's some advice that you would give to like a new coach. That's just starting out in the space. Who's like, you know, I'm, I'm ready to, uh, to pay it forward. I want to help people, um, you know, getting into nutrition coaching. What's, what's some like early wisdom that you wish you had when you first got started?
1: Yeah. Your entry level certifications are not going to give you all the tools you need for the real world. Unfortunately, uh, that's the first one. So always continue. Look, searching, you know, for education from uh, different sources is what I like to recommend. Um, and then when you get information sources from like four different companies, people type of thing, there's going to be baselines. They all agree on, and you're like, okay, all four said this, I'm going to put that in my box is something that I hold true. And then where people disagree, just keep your eyes open a little bit. And then you're going to formulate some of the things that maybe make sense in certain contexts, but not others. So I would generally recommend that. Um, experiment on yourself. Like a, that was something when you when you don't have clients, you are your own client. And that is going to be a very, very beneficial way for you to um, learn different things, experiment on yourself, be very, very uh, self-exploratory in that part and lead by example, lead by the front. So this is something that I, I kind of did because I had to, right? Because what we talked about earlier in the, in the episode, I was very kind of shy and timid with marketing and putting myself out there. So that was a way that I was really able to, to get attention was like, people were like, Aaron's in pretty good shape. He pr- he probably knows what he's talking about. And that was like a, a saving grace for me when I was still working on other parts of being confident. And now it's become like a kind of a cornerstone of, of what I do. I'm like, I lead by example. And the reason I know that this works is because I do this and I practice these things religiously. So I'm very, very convicted in their Outcomes. So, and I don't, you know, I, I lead by example. I don't have clients do anything that I've never done myself. Um, and that's been very beneficial for me. And that is where uh, I feel very st- strongly with, you know, when you are new and getting started. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Love that. And then I, one thing that I agree with all those, the one thing I would add in addition is uh, getting a coach and investing in coaching. Um, I've, learned so much from different coaches that I've had. I feel like each experience that I've had with a coach has taught me as much, if not more, than the dozens of certifications that I've accumulated over the years. Uh, that that experience and seeing how they communicate, what questions they ask, uh, how they handled certain situations, uh, that experience has been uh, you know super helpful for me.
1: Hundred um, percent. Like you, you have to if if you're a coach and you want people to hire you but you don't hire people to coach you. There's a bit of, um, oh man, there's a certain word, hypocrite, hypocritism, hypocritism. I don't know. I said, I went very well through this whole podcast with words and then I bought this one. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, I mean, I have a, I have a nutrition coach. Um, He's been fantastic. I I felt, I feel very, very fortunate that when I was kind of getting started and I had my certs and stuff, I had a lot of that like imposter syndrome. I was like, what. I'm like a nutrition coach. Like if I need a coach, that means that I don't, you know, know enough, but here's the reality. I didn't know enough. And if I never would have hired that first coach, like my business would not be anywhere near where it is today, because he took me through a whole new world. Like I didn't know anything. Like ordering lab work. He was asking me for labs and talking about thyroid and blood glucose and all this shit. And I was like, what the hell is this? Like, where are the macros, <laughs> you know, type of deal. And it, it, it literally catapulted my, my, my physique, what I understood about my own physiology, my, my coaching. And it's just like, get help, you know? And then it's, it's one, it's also putting yourself in, in a network of people who know more than you. And then through, just, you know, human nature of wanting to be better and stuff like that. When you're in a new room and everyone else knows more than you, like that will light a fire under your ass and it's, it will help you.
0: Totally. totally. Uh, So last question, as we start to wrap up here, I'm curious as somebody like yourself who does stay uh, what I would consider pretty shredded year round um, for what I can see anyway. um, I don't know, you know, if you take time where you're a little bit more flexible, but I'm curious just like what the overall approach is for you. What does your nutrition look like training? Um, what's, uh, what's kind of your approach right now?
1: Yeah. So from a training standpoint, I, I only train for hypertrophy. Um, you know, I've gone through powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting and CrossFit and stuff like that, but I got the point, like, I just like lifting weights, you know, and kind of being jacked, I suppose. So generally hypertrophy training. Um, and then with my nutrition, I follow, I mean, I, I count my macros year round. And when people ask me this, I'm like, well, I still have goals. I think there's going to be a point in my life when I don't have any more like physique related goals or whatever, and I won't count macros. And I'm like, Hey, I'm just gonna, um, if, as I age, if I can stay at this body composition approximately, and at this body weight, I'm happy. And uh, that's called auto-regulation. And if you just want to stay right where you are right now, assuming that you're not like incredibly shredded, you know, I don't think you have to track. You should be able to just stay where you are through auto-regulation and just repeating your habits, but I still have goals. So of course I'm going to track and want to continue to learn and stuff. So my nutrition, um, I go higher carbohydrate, uh, lower fat. Um, what's interestingly is we have my, my lab work uh, I do better on high, higher carbs. When I was following a higher fat diet, my blood work, my lipids were notably worse. Um, and my, um, what else? there's one other one that was notably worse. I can't remember. Oh, my glucose, my HbA1c and fasting glucose were notably worse on a higher fat diet. Um, so just interesting, right? We're all going to be a little bit different. And the more data you have, the more informed decisions you can be. So, I do that. I like having um higher uh I like eating more on training days, less on rest days because I'm really just not nearly as hungry and it's uh f- for me, I and this is like a cornerstone of my, of my coaching. I push for high maintenance calories. Um it allows us to one r- run less risk of of sev- more severe, I should say, levels of metabolic um adaptation and, you know, endocrine downregulation when we diet, and two it just gives you leverage and you can eat more food so the times when you're on like vacation or you know Christmas or something like that. You can just, you don't have to worry about, oh, I came out of Christmas five pounds heavier because when you're maintaining your body weight, you know, at like a 17 X multiplier. And then normally I normally eat five meals per day on Christmas. I just went down to three and I probably ate less on Christmas than I do on my normal days. So you don't have to worry about those things. So I push for really high maintenance calories. Uh, the one sole downside of that is it costs more to feed yourself, (laughs) but it's easier to diet from, you know, and then you don't worry about rebounding and stuff nearly as much. Um, I am very, very focused on health and stuff like that. I, I eat a very, very high quality diet. And then I would say like my, my guilty pleasures are dark chocolate. Um, uh, that I, I gave up drinking like last year as a, as a year long goal. And then when the goal was up, I decided, and I was like, I kind of don't want it anymore anyway. So as I, uh, I don't know, my life just changes as, as I get more deeper into the nutrition rabbit holes. And discover who I'm becoming more as a person. I'm a little bit older too. I'll be 34 in March. So if you're like 23, just know Aaron at 23 was a freaking booze hound still for a very long time. So everyone finds their, their kind of stride at different points when your priorities change, but yeah, I train really, really hard. You know, I I just enjoy it. Um, And I I eat really quality foods because I want to be able, if I'm being completely honest, I want to be able to live like how I am now when I'm like 48 49. And that's like my goal. Now I have a couple of years where I'm like, Hey, if I can still sneak out some gains here and there, bring up my legs a little bit, like I'll be happy, but I really want to like, that's my new long-term goal. Like how long can I hold on to this? If I just continue practicing my habits, put my health at like the forefront of my decision-making, like, can I look like this in 15 years type of thing? So we will find out. And hopefully I learn more, you know, as, as time goes on and it'll help me with that a little bit more as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're very much in alignment there. Um, you know, I want to stay fit, lean, healthy for as long as I possibly can. Um, I'm always, mm-hmm. I always notice cause I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. You said older at 34, I consider that to be young, but, uh, it's, it's all good. It's all relative, but I always look at, you know, when I see people in the gym who are 50 and they're still looking lean and jacked and I'm like, that's, that's goals right there. That's what mm-hmm. I want, um, to be able to stay fit, to be able to stay healthy, same exact mindset. Like, how long can I hold on to this? And uh, want to be able to just age well and stay active. I enjoy, um, you know, being able to do things. Like, just if I had to run outside and run a couple miles, I can do that. If I wanted to go and you know lift some heavy shit, I can do that. I want to be able to hold on to that. Um, you know, if I want to go play some basketball, I can do that. You know, at any time. So um, that's the stuff that's really important to me. So we're uh, very much on the same page there. What um. Where can everybody connect with you uh, if they want to stay up to date on everything that you've got going on? Where, where do you hang out online? Where can they stay dialed into everything that you've got going on?
1: Yeah. So most uh, what I uh, what I update most often is Instagram. Uh, so you can find me there. That's Aaron, A-A-R-O-N underscore Straker, S-T-R-A-K-E-R. Uh, you can also find more about me and what I do on my website. And that's com. I also co-host a weekly podcast with a friend, Brian, that is called Eat, Train, Prosper. And that is probably the three I would say most active on for sure.
0: Perfect. Well, I'll post all of that in the show notes. Um, I appreciate the conversation. Uh, great being able to connect with you again. And uh, we'll talk soon. And if we don't talk before the new Year's, have a happy new year.
1: Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. You as well.